Well, praise God. Good morning, church. Get your Bibles out. And if you would go to, um, what do we want to go to? Because I changed this morning. Ooh, go to Matthew 28. Man, y'all are a good-looking church this morning. Resurrection Sunday morning. So I, I got to preach on the power of the resurrection. And like Tracy said, we're going to have communion here after service. Uh, so uh, get your hearts kind of prepared for that. But I want to read the resurrection story here out of Matthew 28, 1. It says, Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, and the angel of the Lord descended from heaven, and he came and he rolled back the stone from the door, and he sat on it. And his countenance was like lightning, and his clothing was white as snow, and the guards shook for fear and became like dead men. Now, I just want to stop there for a second. <clears throat> There's a movie out called Risen. I don't know if any of y'all have seen it. It's, it's basically it it's been out for a couple of years. It's a great movie. Uh, Christian movie about the resurrection, and they take a little different light in it. And uh, I, I, I actually bought the movie, and I watch it all the time because there's a couple of scenes in it that I just love. And, uh, but when you read this story, you know what happens to us so many times is we get caught up in church. We get caught up in religion. We get caught up when it's Easter Sunday. You know, On one hand, you're out getting eggs and chocolate, and then on the other hand, you're thinking you're going to go to church. You're looking for a hat, a bonnet, a dress, and some new shoes, or whatever, you know. And we forget, about the, we forget about the truth of the real story. We forget about that this really happened, that this is not a fairy tale. This is not just another story in the Bible, it, it, that this, this event took place on planet Earth, okay? And I just want you all to see how cool God is, all right? Think of this. Jesus is in the tomb. Everybody is expecting that, you know, he's dead. The disciples... All the followers, Caiaphas and all the priests, they all thought this was over, all right? The, the priests, they're happy because now they got Jesus out of the way because he's messing with their system. The Romans, they're happy because they got this quieted down and Caiaphas is happy and everybody's happy. The disciples are sad. They thought that, what, that they were believing in the Messiah. Have you ever had any hopes dashed? Huh? I bet everybody in here, you were sometime in life you were hoping for something and then it didn't happen and your hopes were dashed. Well, they believed that Jesus was the Messiah. They walked with him. They saw him heal blind eyes. They saw lepers be cleansed. They saw lame people walking and they knew he was the Messiah. They just knew it. But their thinking was that Jesus was going to come in. He's going to run those Romans out. Man, he was going to take up uh, his place at the position in the, in, the high, in the temple in the high place, and he was going to run the Romans out. He was going to set everything out. You know, So they had their idea. Now, Jesus flat out right told them in his ministry that he's going to die in three days, he's going to rise again. And no one knew what that meant. No one understood that because that wasn't normal conversational talk. I'm going to come back from the dead, right? So the disciples were just like, it was one of those things that just kind of probably looked at Jesus and said, Oh, yeah. And then later said, what is he talking about, you know? Because they'd never heard about this. 
And so all of a sudden, this angel comes. Jesus is in the grave. And, and he descends. And he just, you know, he just, they had secured this tomb. It wasn't like they put like a rock over the entrance of the tomb. They had this huge, huge stone rolled in front of it, took all these, these, these uh, uh, Roman legionnaires to, to roll up in front of there and secure this thing, and they'd wrapped it, strapped it, and done everything in the world, and all of a sudden the angel just, boom, just blows it all out. And then it says he sits on the stone. Now, I mean, how cool is that? It's like I showed up, and I can just see this huge angel, and he's just sitting there on the stone like, hey, guys, and everybody's poofed, falls down like they're dead. That is so cool. You know, I mean, you're just showing the power of God. He just knocks them all out. And he just sits there on the rock, the legs crossed, chewing on a toothpick. He was a country angel, okay? I mean, it says the guards shook for fear and became like dead men. Now, these guys were tough guys. And they just were like, ah, and just, just became like dead men. And then the angel turns to the women. You know, the women didn't faint. Can I have an amen from the women? All the guys fell down like they were dead. The women, they didn't faint. I don't know what that means. I don't know how that fits into the message. Just something I notice here. And he looks at them and says, do not be afraid. For I know you seek Jesus who was crucified. And he's not here. For he's risen. And he said, come and see the place where he lay. And go quickly and tell the disciple that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee, and there you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out and they quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. Now, you know, if you read the other, you know, uh, Mark and Luke and John's uh, gospel, you know, there's some, some different interaction you see. I always think it's funny when you read John's interaction that he makes a point to say that he outran Peter to the tomb. That did not have to be in there. Right? Is this John the loving, the loving disciple that laid his head on Jesus' breast, but he has to note in his gospel that he outran Peter. I mean, just like a couple of guys. It's the resurrection Sunday, and he's thinking, well, at least I beat you, you know? And so, and then you get, you get the other ones where they say that they went into the tomb, and there was two angels in the tomb and sitting there, all right? And said, why are you seeking the living among the dead? You know, some people have never found Jesus because they're always looking for him in the wrong place. All right? So he goes on, and so they go back, and they tell the disciples, and then look at verse, uh, oh, man, I messed up. I got to go to my Bible. That's what happens when you start using your computer. I'm still there in 28, but I copied the wrong passage down. That's why you always carry your Bible. Never trust electronics or operator error. Okay, so I want to pick it up in 11. So he says in verse 11, Now while they were going, behold, some of the guards came into the city and reported to the chief priests all the things that had happened. And when they had assembled the elders, they consulted together and gave a large sum of money to the soldiers, saying, Tell them. His disciples came at night and stole him away while he slept. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will appease him and make you secure. So they took the money and did as they were instructed, saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. Now, it just goes to show the hearts of the, of the Pharisees 
that when they're sitting there saying, these guards are sitting there saying, an angel came down, we saw this angel, and he came down, and, and, and there's, there's been a resurrection, something has happened, there's, the tomb blew out, the angel was sitting there, we fell like dead men, Jesus arose, he's not there, and, and, and so they said, well, we'll give you a large sum of money, and uh, just be quiet about this, and if the governor says anything, we'll bail you out, okay? That was their immediate thinking is hide this. Do what we got to do. We'll bribe whoever we got to bribe to hide this. Now, verse 16. So it says, The eleven disciples went away to Galilee and to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubt, some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them and said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go. Everybody say go. Therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always until the end of this age. So Jesus comes and he, after the resurrection, when he meets with his disciples, he sees them and then he gives them instructions. And the instructions were to them is go, go tell everybody now. All right. Just go everywhere you can. Tell everybody about it. Tell everybody about what you've seen. Tell everybody about what's going on. Tell everybody that because I have risen, I am the Son of God. All right? Okay, now go over to John's gospel. Go to John chapter 10. Go to John 10. I've really messed my notes all up here, so I didn't copy my verses down, so I'm trying to find. Okay, verse 11. John 10, 11. Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But the hireling is he who, but a hireling is he who is not, is not the shepherd, one who does not own his sheep, but sees a wolf coming and leaves his sheep and flees, and, catch, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. And the hireling flees because he's a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and am known by my own. As the Father knows, even so I, the Father, have laid down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold. They also must bring, they also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. So Jesus says, look, I'm the good shepherd. Now, the disciples never put this together. He said, I've got to go lay down my life for the sheep. There's sheep coming. You're the sheep coming. All right? The non-Jewish, the Gentile nations. Everybody say, I'm one of the sheep that was coming. I started to say, turn to the person beside you and say, you look kind of like a sheep, but don't do that. You're in that verse right there because Jesus was preparing right there in John 10 that you were the sheep that he had to go lay his life down for. Now, you got to understand something. The Romans were thinking they had ended this problem, stopped this problem because they had killed Jesus. They thought they killed Jesus. Caiaphas and the high priest, they thought they had stopped this because they thought they killed Jesus. And the whole time Jesus is saying, boys, you're playing right in my hand. You are playing right into my hand because you're not taking my life. I'm laying my life down. All right? Let me show you this in the scriptures, if I wrote this one down right. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. It says, But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory which none of the rulers of this age knew, had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. In other words, if the devil had known what was going on, he wouldn't have crucified Jesus because he didn't realize that Jesus was dying for the sins of the world. They thought they were just getting rid of the man. 
They thought they were getting rid of the Son of God. Nobody had figured out this resurrection business, not even the devil. God was pulling off a plan, a master plan, to save the human race from their sin. He was going to do it all in one big swoop, but in the defeat, they thought, the earth thought, that they were doing to God by killing Jesus was actually the victory that God was bringing about in their lives. You know, what we do so many times in life is that we teach people that, oh, when you're going through a hard time in life, God's trying to teach you something out of this, and, you know, you just need to have patience and suffer through it and learn and, and, and grow on. That's what the church a lot of times tries to teach. Well, I'm teaching you this morning the power of the resurrection because what I believe is you're supposed to blow out the rock in front of your tomb. You're supposed to see the angels sit down. You're supposed to see the power of God coming in your life. You're supposed to see the power of God making all the, the devils fall down dead. You're supposed to see the power of God coming in your life and blowing all the discouragement out, blowing all the grief out, blowing all the, the, the doubts out, blowing all the, 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 the pain out, blowing all the sickness out, blowing it out. I mean, you're supposed to just see the power of God coming into your life and just blowing all that stuff out. Because I'm believing in resurrection power. I believe that God wants resurrection power in each and every one of your life every day. I believe that there's resurrection power you can call upon. And when the devil, he wants you to think, oh, just humbly walk through this, this trial and this tribulation and, and, and just see, uh, you know, God may be this, may be that, may be this. Just get you all confused in this stuff. But what you need to do is call upon resurrection power. Because I believe that God has just, a, just, just like that moment that he took when the devil thought that he had this world beat and defeated. God came in with another plan, blew it out. Angels just sitting there being cool. Jesus rising from the dead. Next thing you know, the dead man's walking around. He's alive. Eating, sitting there. Hey, you got some fish for me to eat? Appearing in rooms, scaring the life out of everybody. Just pop in there. Hey, peace be unto y'all. Everybody, ah! Jesus here. Right? I mean, can you imagine this bunch of rednecks? Next thing you know, you're sitting there eating. You'd be going for your gun, every one of you. <laughs> Shooting at Jesus. Next thing you know, you're just in your house. Peace be unto you. Like, why are you brought peace? Because you see what happens, folks, if you accept the hardship, if you accept what seems like a defeat, and you take that thing and you start taking ownership of it, well, then I want to tell you something. It will stay at your house. It's like the stray cat you fed. It won't go away after it's gotten fed. The moment you've given place to that, it's going to stay there. It's going to keep bothering you. All right? You've got to be able to have that resurrection power, the same power that Jesus had, to be able to stand up in line and say, no, this isn't going to happen in my life. Jesus died on the cross for me, paid the price for me. He arose from the dead for me, and I'm going to walk in resurrection power. And the moment you start to do that, you're going to start to see everything's going to change. Now, not everybody's going to be in agreement. There's going to be people who always sit around you and go, shh, 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 quiet, shh, don't get all crazy, shh, no, come on, you know, that's that other church you go to that's on the other side of the river, you know? I mean, that's shh, you know. They're going to try to quiet you down and say, you know, sometimes in life you just need to accept. No, I'm just telling you, I'd rather be, I would rather get to heaven and God look at me and say, Robert, you crazy fool. I wasn't going to do any of that. <laughs> then for me to get to heaven and God say, why didn't you ever call upon me? 
I would have been down there and knocked that tomb, that stone off your tomb. I would have raised you from the dead. I would have done anything in your life if you would have just called on me. Hello? But it's what do you want? I don't know about y'all, but I think God gets more glory in sin, resurrection, power in people's life than he does in that you can keep a smile on your face while suffering through. That's just me. I'm just a little radical. Hello? So, go to Romans chapter 7. I just was really arguing with the Holy Spirit when he gave me this scripture because I, I, I said, this is the most confusing chapter in the book of Romans, and you want me to get into that on Sunday, Resurrection Sunday morning. But I just want to read something here to you. Romans seven seventeen. Paul's talking about sin, and he's talking about the power of sin over our lives. And he says in verse 17, but now it is, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, nothing good dwells. Now, you've got to understand something. Paul is writing this chapter, and he's writing this chapter trying to get the Jewish people to understand, and the Romans people that he was preaching to, the Roman church, that the law doesn't work. That's what, he's, that's what the whole chapter's written about. The law doesn't work, and if you're going to live under the law, this is what's going to happen to you. If you're trying to do it by your power and your strength, in essence, you're living under the law. If you're doing it by the grace of God and faith, then you're under the new covenant and you have resurrection power. But if you're trying to do it by your strength, if you're just trying to be good, well, I think I can just be good. You're finally going to get irritated enough. You're going to blow your top. Hello? And blame it on hormones. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is you're trying to do it in your own strength, your own works. You're trying to break that addiction in your life by your own strength. You're trying to break that, that anger by your own strength. You're trying to break that, that disappointment by your own strength. And Paul is trying to make a point here. He says, if you're doing that, you're, by the law, you're bound under that. So he says, for I know that in me that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good, I do not find. In other words, he's saying under the law, I want to be righteous, but I really can't figure out how to do this because got, I've got a limit to my abilities and my strength. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Now, does this sound like anybody trying to lose weight? I mean, it is the best example of trying to lose weight because you're sitting there saying, now I'm going to do this, I'm going to eat right. And you do that for a while, and then all of a sudden you're just like, this food tastes terrible, I don't like it, I just want something else. Your body starts craving, the icebox starts calling, then you finally give in, you yield, you go eat it, and then you're immediately yourself comes back to you and says, you are such a worthless, you've got no self-control, you were the sorriest dog, Why? and you and you're could condemn yourself. When it just was telling you to go eat it. That is called living under the law and under sin. But then he says, let me see. Now, if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find then 
a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. Now, what he's saying is, you know, like we always want to blame it on the devil. It's not really my fault it was the devil. But the truth of the matter is, it's always ever present, the voice of the enemy trying to get you to do wrong. You can be the most saintly saint. You can fast all day long. You can do all the things you want to. You can have the conversation. You can be translated to the third level of heaven and walk in the streets of heaven. When you get back down to earth, the devil's going to be there to tempt you. It's just the, it's just the fact, folks. Is there's no way around it. There's going to be somebody there to irritate you, somebody there to, to, to stir you up. There's going to be somebody there to give you a phone call, to give you a look, to give you a song. It's just going to happen. There's no, you go to San Antonio, somebody's going to cut you off. Okay? I mean, it's just going to happen. It's going to be there to irritate you. It's going to be there to tempt you to get back in there because evil is always going to be present in, as long as we're on planet Earth as is. Okay? So he said there's a law. It's called the law of sin. He said, I find in a law that, is e that evil is present with me, that one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Okay, he's saying this, this temptation's coming. It's up here in my head. He's talking to me or I'm being tempted up here, and, and it's happening, all these are happening, my thoughts in my mind. How many of you in here would even admit that there's been something in life you've gotten angry about, a thought came to you of something that somebody said or did or whatever, somebody sent you a text, and you read it one way, and they meant it another way. And you got, that's the reason why text messages are bad, because you can't see what's happening. And you get this thought in your head, and then you go find out the truth of it, and it's not anything that you thought it was. Has that happened to anybody in here before ever? What's happened is, see, it came in, and it started warring against the thoughts in your head until it got you over into sin, being anger, thoughts of murder, burning their house down. They're never going to drag them behind my truck. They're never going to walk straight again. All these thoughts came into your mind. How did they get there? Because the evil from the outside is trying to war against the law of your mind. It's trying to talk to you on the inside to get you to get into sin, trapped, caught and bound. Okay. He said, oh, wretched man that I am, who, who will deliver me from this body of death? He stops right there, puts a question mark. And then he writes the answer. I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then with my mind, I myself serve the law of God, who with the flesh, the law of sin. So he's saying, I thank God, God made a way. He made a way through resurrection power in Jesus. If Jesus would not have risen from the grave, church, there's no sense in us sitting here. There's no sense in us being here. There's no sense in us even having church. We might as well go home, lay on the couch, eat potato chips, try to enjoy your life the most that you can, and just try to get by. And some of you are going to make it easy. Some of us are going to make it hard, and that's just going to be the way it is. And you might as well just, you know, go fishing. Okay? But because Jesus did rise from the dead, he did defeat death, hell, and the grave. He did make an open show of the enemy because he did rise up on this Easter Sunday morning, then we have the ability and the power 
to live in resurrection power and walk a godly life. That we can defeat the devil in our life and be a blessing and go tell others about it. A lot of times we in our lives are trying to get God to do something for us. And come on, God, you need to do this. But the real truth of the matter is we need to start going and telling somebody what God's doing for us, even if it's a little bit. So that that starts activating and getting some river flowing and getting some water because you're, you're turning into a stagnant pond. That's why Jesus said, look, just go, go. Well, what do you think the disciples had? They didn't even have a Bible. They didn't have nothing. They just started going everyone and said, Jesus is alive. And don't you know people look at him and say, what? Yeah, he was dead to kill him. Angel came down and sit on a rock, blew that thing out there. Woo, come in there and sit down there. Woo. And they're like, Really? And he says, what do we got to do? Just believe it's true. That's it. No got to go to the temple, got to go to sacrifice some sheep and goats and, you know, none of that stuff. No, just believe that Jesus is real, that he's alive. And they're like, well, I think I can do that. I believe he is. Woo. They get saved. You see, folks, what I'm saying to you is that we cannot reduce the power of the gospel down to just a religious service. We cannot reduce it down to just an Easter Sunday morning. We can't reduce all the resurrection power of God to say, oh, yeah, that's a nice story. Because it's faith in Jesus that brings the power of God into our life and begins to make it active and begins to see it working and begins to blow stuff out of our life. But it's up to us. We're not spectators, we're participators. There's nothing in this gospel that says you can be a spectator, you're a participator. Okay, so Paul says, I got an answer. So Galatians chapter two, verse 20. He said, I I got an answer here for it. It's the resurrection power of Christ. (laughs) Galatians 2.20. He said, I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's realizing that Jesus is now living in you. You say, well, I don't feel like Jesus is in me. Well, wait a minute. What are you doing? Where's your faith? What are you walking in? Are you doing like Paul? You're just trying to fight the battle between what you, you, you will to do, but you don't do. The thing that I want to do, I didn't do, but I did do the thing I didn't want to do. Well, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be tempted that. Oh, gosh, I did it. Like when we go... Like, like I, I had this really bad problem. It was, a, it, was a, it was a sin problem. It was a sin problem of driving in San Antonio. And, and my wife finally got to the point. She said, I'm not going with you anymore. She said, I'm just not going to go with you anymore. And so then I said, okay, all right. I, I, if it's that bad, then I need to change. And I need, but I need help. I need help from the resurrection power of God to deliver me. So I thought that by letting her drive and me just sit there, that I could, I could overcome that. Well, it didn't work. Didn't work at all. You know, didn't work at all. That wasn't the answer. Because, see, I was still trying to do it by the flesh, right? I thought I could just sit there and just control myself. But I couldn't. Because then I was mad at her and everybody driving. Right? But it wasn't until I had to submit this to the Lord and go to him and say, look, Lord, I really need some help here because this is really bad. If my wife didn't want to ride with me, I'm in, this is, I'm gone too far. You've got to help me with this. I need resurrection power 
on the inside of me to deliver me from this. And you know what? God began to do it. He began to show me. He began to prepare me. As I would just be driving, I'd just be praying, say, okay, Lord, help me today. Oh, Jesus, help me now, Lord, help me now. And then he'd say, okay, be careful, right up here. And so then I'd just slow up a little bit, and then all of a sudden there'd be a car pull out. I'd say, uh-huh, I missed you. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. And go on. And then God just began to show me things, and I began to be delivered. Now, I'm not, I, I, don't, I, I don't know if I'm 100% healed or not. I wouldn't want to try me, you know? But the point is, You've got to call upon that resurrection power. You've got to ask for that resurrection power to come in your life. You've got to be crucified with Christ and say, look, my, the crucifixion of Christ is you doing it by your strength. That's what goes on the cross. You doing it by your will, your strength, your, you know, you're pushing your intestinal fortitude to just make things happen. I'll get it done. When you nail that guy to the cross, and you start to say, I can't do anything unless it's Jesus. It's Christ who lives in me. That's the only way I'm going to live is through resurrection power. Okay? Christ lives in me. So why does Christ live in you? Because he's resurrected. You're dead on the cross, and now you've been resurrected with him. Now go to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. Verse 1. 1 Corinthians 15, 1. He says, Moreover, brethren... I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand, but which also you are saved. If you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he arose again on the third day according to the Scriptures. And that as he was seen by Cephas, which would be Peter, and then by the twelve. And after that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present. But some having fallen asleep. Now, stop right there for just a second. Can you imagine what it was like to have been one of the 500 who was there on the very first resurrection Sunday morning and that saw Jesus physically resurrected? saw him in the physical, saw him when he showed him the nails, the spear in his side, showed him the things, and he was standing right there. Can you imagine what that, what that would have been like? You talk about resurrection Sunday morning. I think most of us would be standing there just like they were going, how did this happen? Never heard of this. But that's Jesus. The Jesus I knew before, that's the Jesus now. That's we saw him dead. We saw him in the cross, in the grave. We saw him on the cross. We saw him on Friday. And now here he is alive. He must be the son of God. But then again, folks, you got to imagine, this same Jesus had healed lepers. They had been with Jesus and seen him pray for somebody and blind eyes just opened. They had seen this, witnessed that. And so now Paul is talking later to the church at Corinth that wasn't there. And he's telling them the truest, purest gospel right here. Uh, gospel is simply good news. We saw it. We were there. We saw the resurrection. There's still people walking around today who saw him. That's what Paul's telling to the church at Corinth. There's still people alive. Some have fallen asleep. Some have died. 
but there's still others who are alive, still walking around that saw Jesus come out of the tomb. He goes on and he says, After that he was seen by James and then by all the apostles, and at last he was seen by me also, one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles, who am not worthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God I am what I am, and the grace towards me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly that they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Therefore, whether it is I or they, so we preach and you believe. That's the gospel. Do you hear what I'm saying? When Jesus said, go into the world, that's the gospel. He is the son of God because he died for your sins. He was buried in the grave and he arose on the third day. That is the gospel. And if you believe in him, you will be saved. There's really nothing else. Oh, there's a lot of taking the whole Bible apart and the New Testament and putting it all together. But do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Do you believe that he was resurrected? If you do, then resurrection power is available to you. You say, yeah, but you know what? Oh, wait a minute. It's talking you out of it. It's talking you out of it. You're over there trying to do what Paul said, the thing that I do that I didn't do that I do to do. That's you. Get out of that. Quit listening to that that's worn against the law of your, in your mind. Quit listening to the, that, 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 that lie to you. Stop it. Nobody loves me. It's a lie from the pit of hell trying to tempt you into going into that place that's going to war against your mind. Start living in resurrection power and say, no, no, no. You, I, you're trying to tell me nobody loves me, but, the war, but I, I, that's what the world says. But I know what the Word says. The Word says Jesus loves me, died on the cross for me. So therefore, resurrection power is available to me. Poosh, that thought's gone. If you believed it. If you're looking at it like a fairy tale, it ain't going to do you no good. You're not going to see anything happen. But if you're looking at it and believing it by faith that it's true, that you're, you were standing at the tomb, you know it's that true. You saw him come out. That's faith. Romans chapter 10, verse 9, if you confess through the mouth and believe in your heart, right? In Jesus, you'll be saved, saved, saved from everything. Not just salvation, but everything. Just think of this, church. I'm giving you the simplest message this morning. But every problem you run up against in life is in, contained within Romans 10.9. That if you'll confess with your mouth and you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. If you just look at the adversities come at you in life and stand up and say, Jesus, I can't do it. Within me, there's no power, no ability to do it. But I'm confessing with my mouth that you are the Son of God. I believe in you with all my heart, so therefore you're going to save me. That's the simple gospel. That's what he told them to go out and preach. Go tell people this. Believe in me and power will come into your life. Okay, jump down to verse 12. Still in 1 Corinthians 15, 12. He goes on, he says, Now if Christ has preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say there is no resurrection of the dead? Do you realize that by the time Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, this is probably 25 to 30 years after the resurrection. People already started doubting the resurrection. And Paul's sitting there saying, look, guys, there's still people alive that saw him resurrected. So now, 2,000 years later, 2,000 plus years later, you think that I I can understand why somebody wants to doubt. But the difference between doubt and your victory is just what are you going to believe? Now, see, we're all country people. We're Texans. We're glad we're Texans. We're proud that we're Texans, and we like to think we can do it. 
We like to think, but why do they call us the Lone Star State? If you interviewed all of everybody in Texas and said, do you think if we got in a fight with the rest of the United States, we'd win? Everybody say, yeah. <laughs> and, and if you said, well, are you sure it would offend us? And you said, what are you talking about? Of course. We would believe it with all of our heart. That's how we've been. That's how, who we are and how we've been created. Okay. But the problem with that thinking is if you're going to try to do that with a gospel, you're going to fail because you're trying to do it in your power and your strength and your ability. The victory comes is when you surrender and you be crucified with Christ and say, Lord, it's no longer I live. I can't get it done. I got to have your help. Then all of a sudden, miracles start taking place. Things just start happening. Things just start lining up. I find that my frustrations in life come when I'm trying to do it. But when I've submitted it to the resurrection power of God and say, Lord, I need your help, then all of a sudden things start working. It's amazing. So he goes on here and says, he's talking to them and says, but if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we are found, we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up. If in fact the dead do not rise, for if the dead do not rise and Christ is not risen, if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. Then those that have fallen asleep in Christ have perished and in this life we have hope in Christ, we're all men most pitiable. In other words, we just got no, got no chance. We got no chance. And I'm here today to tell y'all, y'all are good. I know it. You're good. You could probably... You, you, you could do a, you, you'd get almost to the finish line. You people are good, strong-willed people. But I'm also here to tell you today, you're not going to make it. You're going to fail before you get there. And so why don't we turn to the resurrection power of Christ and get the power of God working in our lives for everything that we have need of? If you have anxiety, get the power of God working in your life. If, you have ho if you're hopeless, get the power of God working in your life. If you're faith in facing sickness, get the power of God working in your life. You don't know what to do. You don't know where to go. You, don't know how, you need wisdom. Get the power of God working in your life. You need strength to endure. Get the power of working in your life. Just start turning to Jesus for everything. And this is simply how you do it. I can't do it, Lord. I need help. The application of this message is that prayer. Help! That's what I should have written right there at the end of this. Help! Because that's the end of it. You give up and trying to do it by your strength and your ability, and you say, Lord, I don't know what I'm doing. The thing that I do, I don't know what to do, but it did and didn't do it, and that what I did, what I'm going to do. So therefore, I just give it to you, Lord. Lord, I can't do anything without you, but through Christ I can do all things because he strengthens me. That right there brings the power of God, the resurrection power of God in your life. Now listen to me. If you say, well, pastor, you know, I don't know. It all sounds good. It's a good preaching message. It's a nice message on Sunday morning. But, you know, uh, I prayed once and I never did see anything happen. And I don't know what's going on there. And, you know, my aunt, my aunt, she prayed and nothing happened. And then, you know, my mom prayed and nothing happened. I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, then I just want to tell you, eat up with doubt and unbelief. All right? You just eat up with doubt and unbelief. And just because you haven't figured it out and hadn't got it working doesn't mean it doesn't work. 
I got this chainsaw that will bring the devil out of you. If there's a devil in you, he'll come out when you start trying to start this chainsaw. Now, this chainsaw, I, I, I've, I've asked other guys who have the same brand of chainsaw, and they all tell me it's the same, that you, you have to put it on. You, there's only one way it can start. You put it on choke, full choke. You crank it. You listen. You crank it. As soon as it goes, boom, and like it was even thinking about starting, right then you stop it. You get that thing off a of choke because if you pull it one more time, one more time, passed, when it went to start, you can put it up and use it in about three or four days. But if you turn it off right then and pull it a couple of more times, and then it'll fire up. But if you go one more time, you pull it one more time, that baby won't start. I swear you can pull it a thousand times after that, and it will not start. And everybody tells me the same thing. Some of you are smiling at me saying, yeah, because you know exactly what I'm talking about. You have that chainsaw. You want to beat it. You want to kill it. You want to drag it behind the truck. You want to run over it. You just hate this thing. And then, then if you just do it right, it will start and it'll run. It'll, it's the sweetest chainsaw in the world. But if you don't go through that starting practice, when I bought the chainsaw, the guy told me, this is how you start the chainsaw. You do it. And if when it just starts that, don't pull again. He told me that. It's not in the manual. Can you imagine writing a manual and saying, once this thing starts, do not do it because you will hate this chainsaw forever because it's a deal, because it will never start no matter what, because it gets flooded. But they don't tell you that. The factory doesn't tell you that. But it's the sweetest thing if you just follow the proper procedure. But if you don't know that proper procedure, you will hate it. You will cuss it. You will say it's the worst chainsaw ever. You will, you will want to call fire down from heaven upon the company that built it. But isn't it amazing if you just knew the secret, just knew the secret, take that thing off choke the moment it even burps. I ought to bring that thing in here <laughs> and set y'all up and show you. Just go one time more and then watch how frustrated you could be trying to get that thing to start. That would have been, that's what I should have done right here. Put a YouTube video on it, how to start a chainsaw and how not to start a chainsaw. Because I'm telling you, this message would have soaked in so good when you see somebody up here pulling to their shoulders, killing them. Maybe your prayer life's like that. You just haven't quite found the secret out yet. Maybe you're just pulling it one too many times. And therefore, it's not starting. And you're not seeing something happen. And it's not the fault of the chainsaw. It's the fault of the operator. i just throwing this out there a little, you know, just kind of. Throwing it out there. See what y'all think. And all I'm saying is, I know Jesus arose from the dead. I know the power of God is real. I know the resurrection power will come into each and every one of your life and help you through every situation in life. I don't care if it's a hangnail to something monumental. God will get you through it. He will show you the way. Amen? Because of the resurrection power. Because Jesus is alive. He is not dead. Amen? So look at the person beside you and say, maybe you're pulling that thing too much. <laughs> okay, let me have my pastoral team come and help me this morning because we're going to, we're going to, the prayer team, because we're going to have communion right now. And I want to tell you, maybe you need prayer this morning. Maybe you need to ask one of these people. Maybe you've been praying about a situation and had nothing happened. Maybe you need to get in agreement. That's why the pastoral team, the prayer team, everybody's up here this morning to, to help y'all. But as we take this communion this morning, 
I want you to just be aware of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Just be aware today that this is no simple piece of bread. By faith, this is the power of God coming into your life. This is just not, this is just not some church service, some church ordinance we're doing here this morning. But this is the power of God that can come into your life through faith. I believe with all of my heart that as you come this morning and as you take a piece of this bread and you drink of this cup that your sins can be forgiven and that your broken bodies can be healed it's right here by faith because on the night that Jesus was betrayed he took bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and he said now take and eat but this is my broken body which is shed for you you remember good Friday Jesus went to the cross he took it all on himself on the cross so you didn't have to walk in it. And then he took the cup and he said, this cup is the cup of a new covenant that's poured out in my blood for the forgiveness of your sins. When Jesus defeated death, hell, and the grave, he defeated the curse of sin over your lives that would hold you bound and he said, by faith, you don't have to keep the law. By faith, you can walk in my power. You can walk today in victory. Don't be plagued by guilt. No one should leave here today feeling guilty. When you come to this altar, repent. That's all you got to do. Say, Lord, I'm sorry. And receive his forgiveness. Hello, this is Robert Richards, and you're listening to The Waterhole, our weekly broadcast, which is now available on iTunes and all major podcast platforms. You can also watch the weekly video broadcast on our YouTube channel. Link's in the description. I pray this has been a blessing to you, and if you've enjoyed this message, please share this with a friend. God bless you, and remember, no matter where you are and what you've done, Jesus loves you.